Church, we're continuing in our sermon series entitled Fear Less, and, and today we're, we're talking about the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection in Psalm 27, verse 1, it says this to us. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then it goes on to tell us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Church, I want you to make sure you get that part right there in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God has not given you a spirit of fear. He didn't program that in you. That's from the enemy. The enemy is the one that wants you to fear because what happens when we begin to fear, then we begin to doubt, and it turns into all these things that are not of God. But yet, here's what's going on in today's world. So many people live paralyzed by fear. We live paralyzed by, by, by fear, especially the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. Again, church, this does not come from God. He's the, not the one that gives that to us. So today what we're going to do, we're going to let God's word empower us. My, my prayer for you today is that you will let God's word empower you to overcome the fear of rejection in your life. How many of you are people pleasers? You know what I'm talking about? You just like, I like it to be steady, right? I want a calm sea. I, I just want everyone to be happy. I don't want any trouble or anything like that. See, many of us are, are people pleasers, but see, some of us, we take it so far. We take it so far that we believe that, that when we perform, that people will like us. I'm not talking about circus kind of stuff, okay? I'm talking about when you feel that you have to perform, like I have to be good enough and I've got to do this and I've got to do this in order for people to like me. And for some of us, church, it becomes an addiction. It becomes an addiction that we have to perform for people to like us. And actually, what it is, it's, it's an approval addiction. You're addicted to people's approval. Maybe for some of you, this, is, this has haunted you and it's followed you all through your life. And, and, and I told you before, as a younger minister, when I first started uh, preaching, I, I would preach. And the first thing I was worried about as soon as church was over, my thoughts was like, how'd I do? You know, I didn't ask people this. It was just in my mind. You know, how did I do? Did they like it? Was it good? And see, many of us struggle in this same way just in our general lives that we sit there and think about things like that. We're addicted to the approval of other people. And church, this is very, very dangerous. And the truth is this. Many of us are living right there today. That we literally are addicted to people's approval. See, the Bible shows us this. The Bible shows us the danger of living in the fear of rejection. If you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 29, and in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says this, the fear of man. Now, I want to stop right there. We're going to stop right there. I want to talk about for one quick minute, the fear of man, being afraid of what other people think. So the fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So the fear of man, I'm talking about the fear of what people think about you. I'm talking about that fear of rejection. The Bible says it's a snare, it's a trap. It's something that the enemy is setting up for you. But God says this in his word, but whoever, church, whoever trusts in God will be kept safe. Will be kept safe. 
I want to give you real quick here two, two rejection traps that some of us struggle with. Two rejection traps are this. Two ways that we are ensnared as we are paralyzed by the fear of rejection. And the first one is this. We can easily become overstarved for acceptance. I'm talking, it's a very deep, deep hunger in you to become accepted. We're overly starved. And see, when, church, when we're overly starved for acceptance, the very thing that we desire the most is usually what you lose first. When you're overstarved for that acceptance, we become so needy and we, we become so hungry for this acceptance that we lose the very thing that you and I are desiring that. See, in the Old Testament, there was a guy in the Old Testament, he had the potential to be one of the greatest kings, the greatest kings of all time. His name was King Saul. But church, this was his greatest weakness. It was his greatest weakness. And and I would argue with you today that King Saul, he was paralyzed. He was paralyzed with fear of being rejected. And he was always wondering, when you read all about King Saul in the Bible, he was always wondering, what will people think? What will people think about me? Are they going to like me? Do they like me? And at one point, he was so perplexed with fear of what people thought, he rejected God's commands to him. And Samuel, I, I like the, the character of Samuel in the Bible. He, he was a prophet. He, he was the guy who anointed the very first two kings of Israel. And so Samuel, he confronts the king about him rejecting God's commands. And if you think about this character of Samuel, I mean, he's pretty bold. I mean, he went to the king and said, ha, here's who you are. He called him out. Here's what you're doing. So he goes, to, he goes to King Saul and he confronts him. And so if you'll look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24, this is how Saul replied. It says, and Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. And I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them. The king, we're talking, this was the dude that he was running the show. The king was so afraid of what the guys would think about him, he broke God's commands in order to please them. Church, how often do we do this? How often do you and I give in to other people? Give in to the things that we shouldn't be doing? How often are you afraid, church, of what people think? Or, 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 and so and rather doing the right thing, we fall under that spell of, I need someone's approval, so I'm going to do what they're calling me to do. So maybe you try something you shouldn't try, right? Maybe you do something you shouldn't do. Maybe you say something that you shouldn't have said. And, and when you do it, what happens is this church, it haunts us. It literally, it, it haunts us. And then you look in the mirror and, and you hate yourself for it. Church, we do things for the approval of people. And the sad thing is today, so many people are just living for the approval of man. You're just living for, I want to make sure everybody approves of me. I want to make sure everybody likes me. See, the fear of man, remember I read it to you, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. It's a trap. So there are some people today who do want to please God, though. They do. They, they want to please God. Maybe they want to please God with sexual purity. 
They, they want to please God and, and keep his commands. Man, you go back to that sexual purity, right? They, they want to wait till they're married. They want to wait till they're married as we're commanded, church. Listen, that's not an option. I don't care how much you love someone. It is a command from God that you wait until you're married. But instead, wanting the approval of someone else, they give it away. They give it away. They give their body up for the approval of someone else. And when I worked with the, the, the teens in the college age kids for a long time there. Man, I, I would see it so many times and time again that they, they would give something away that God's like, oh no, I'm reserving that, that for your husband. I'm reserving that for your wife. And, and what would happen is that after they, they give that up and you know, things <laughs> never work out, right? Then what happens is they're like, too late now. And they go from bed to bed to bed seeking approval. Seeking approval. It's kind of that thing, you know, please love me. Please love me. And, and, and so they're pretending, they're pretending in their minds that, that sex equals love. And man, that is not it. But sex outside of marriage is the farthest thing, farthest thing, church, from real, spiritual, physical intimacy the way that God designed it to be. So it's kind of like, please accept me. Please like me. You know, we do things like this, don't we, church? Man, you know, if I have this car, you know, will you like me? If I dress like this, will you like me? If I talk like this, will you like me? Will you accept me? Will you approve of me? If I compromise, if I compromise my integrity, will you like me? If I don't do what I believe is most important, but I do what you want me to do, will you like me? Will you accept me? Will you approve of me? And I've seen it even taken a step further where people just live completely for their parents' dream for them. I'm not saying, hey, all you people, youthful people here, you still listen to your parents, okay? Don't you dare go home and say, Mark said. That's not what I said. I'm talking about they're living for their parents' dream for them. They're living for their parents' dream for them. You know, I, I got to make my mom happy. I, I got to make my dad happy. Man, I had a friend that I used to work with, and, and this person, you know, they constantly was living for their parents' approval. You know, I used to bust their chops all the time. I'm like, dude, you're 35 years old. You wear what shirt you want to wear, right? Man, I just got reconnected with him. Their pa his parents have been dead for at least 10 years. He's still living for his parents' approval, still trying to please them. Man, I know some great girls, some great girls who, who love God, and, and they desperately, so desperately have want, want to have an intimate, spiritual covenant of marriage. And then I see these girls, they'll settle, right? They'll marry some non-Christian dude or someone who says they're a Christian, just because maybe they're wearing a gold cross necklace. They say they're a Christian, but really they're non-Christian, they're self-centered. And because these girls, they simply wanna be loved, what they do is they take a shortcut in, in a decision that affects them for the rest of their lives, church. And then they're constantly living under that thing, will you, will you please approve of me? Will you please accept me? Will you please love me? The Bible says, remember I told you, the fear of man proves to be a snare. And then there's people who want to be accepted so bad, accepted so bad that they get close to someone. 
I mean, they really want to be accepted. And then they suck the life out of them. I'm talking like a, a human vacuum cleaner. Completely suck the life out of them because we become overly starved. We become overly starved for acceptance. So for those of you who are resonating this morning with this, you know, I got two thoughts, two thoughts for, for those who you're recognizing right now, I am an approval addict. These can be challenging for us, church. The first one is this, when you're an approval addict, I mean, you really and truly, you got to please people. I need your approval. We have this, the first, we have the inability to confront. If you're an approval addict, generally you have the inability to confront. We want to be liked so much that I don't want to confront anybody. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to do that. Until church, until we learn, until we learn to do biblical confrontation with biblical integrity, make sure you understand what that means. That doesn't mean just because you know God's word that you go up and you pulverize someone with your big Bible. I mean, you slap them around and you leave them a bloody mess laying on the floor. That's not what we're called to do. The Bible says we correct and rebuke in love. So until until we learn to do biblical confrontation with biblical integrity, we can never have the intimacy in relationships that God wants us to have. You won't have it. You won't have that kind of intimacy. And the second thing for all of us who are approval addicts, approval addicts generally give in to others, but inwardly they're angry and resentful. Let me, I'll boil this down to you to the bare bones for you right now. If you're that type of person, someone asks you to do something, you smile, oh, I'd be happy to do that. And even before they walk away, you're ticked off that you said you would do it. And so much so it stews in you all week. You begin to despise the person that asked you, even though you were the one that said you would. We struggle with that. Inwardly, we become angry and resentful. You know, it's like, okay, I'll do what you want. I'll do what you want because I want you to like me inwardly, but I'm getting ticked off and I'm getting angry by the minute with it. We do that, don't we? All right, back to the rejection trap. Second thing in the rejection trap is this, we become overly cautious. Church, we become overly cautious. You kind of have that attitude, you know what? I've been hurt before and I'm not gonna let anybody hurt me again. I've been hurt before, I'm not gonna let you hurt me again. I'm not gonna trust anybody. I'm gonna keep you at arm's distance. I'm not even gonna let you do to me what someone else did to me. The Bible talks about this, church. Here's what the Bible says about this kind of person. In Proverbs chapter 28, in verse 14, it says this. It says, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever, listen to this, whoever hardens their heart falls in the trouble. Church, when, when your heart becomes hardened to those around you, when your heart becomes hardened to God's word, nothing can penetrate that. And it's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous to get to that point. How many of you know someone who has a hard heart? I mean, they won't let anybody into it because it may be things that happened, things that happened in the past. Some people won't let other people in. And the Bible says this, it says, remember, but whoever hardens their heart falls in the trouble. It doesn't mean you're out looking for it. It doesn't mean that, that, that it's just one of these things that you're gravitating towards. No, you're going to fall into it. 
Because what happens is when your heart is hard, God can't do the work he wants to do in it. He can't, he can't do that kind of work. Ladies, man, I hear ladies, I hear this statement all the time. Can't trust men as far as you can throw them. I've heard that from you girls, right? <laughs> I got a couple of things for you, questions. Where are you fishing for these men at, number one? And what kind of bait you're using? Whatever kind of bait you're using, that's the kind of fish you're attracting, okay? Ladies, make sure you understand that. Guys, I hear guys say the same thing. All women are alike. Bunch of black widows, you get close to them, they bite you, and then you're messed up. I've <laughs> heard that one before. Listen, church, there are some bad men. There are some bad women out there. But I want you to know there are some good ones. There are some good ones who desire to do right. There are some good ones who are growing closer to Christ. And do you, do you understand this? God is actually placing them around you, but you won't open your eyes. You won't open your eyes to it because we become overly cautious. Some of you, you maybe have a sneaking suspicion that your parents favor your sibling over you. You're like, oh, yeah, there's the favorite one over there, right? Yeah, and so you're like, I don't want to get hurt. So for others of you, you know, it's maybe on the athletic field that, that, that you don't get picked. It could have been something that happened 40 years ago. So you built up this wall. I don't want to get hurt like that. For some of you, it's you don't fit in with a certain crowd. You don't fit in with that crowd or when someone tells you that they'll be there forever for you and then they crush your heart. You become overly cautious. For some of us, church, this is one of the things that is so sad to our Lord, our God, is when great Christ followers, those of you who are following Christ, you have people that you know, people that you love. I'm talking parents. I'm talking family members. I'm talking brothers and sisters. I'm talking about children. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Church, maybe it's someone you grew up with. You have these people in your life who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're afraid to tell them. Why are you? Fear of rejection. You're afraid that they're gonna reject you. They're afraid that maybe they'll come at you. And so listen, here's what we're doing. I told you guys so many times, I heard at the Bible college, we gotta stop letting people go to hell happy. I don't want, I'm gonna let you be happy over here. I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want you to reject me. I don't want you to push me away. Man, if you are a Christ follower, do you understand the job that God has called you to and you will be rejected? You know, when I told you before, sometimes I go to Walmart, if I want to get in and out, hey, no offense to anybody here, I'm on the phone. (laughs) I call my mom anytime. She'll talk to me for hours. So I'll call her and that way I don't get held up. I can shop and talk to my mama. But you know what? Sometimes the, 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 the coin has been flipped on me. Man, after I became the preacher, I'm not kidding you, I have crazy good friends my whole life. They don't want to talk to me because they're afraid I'm going to invite them to church, afraid I'm going to ask them if they know Jesus. They're afraid of all these things. And so I'll see them at Walmart, and as soon as they see me in the aisle, I am not kidding you. They ain't even on the phone either. They didn't have the courtesy to pretend they're on the phone. They go the other way. I've been rejected. 
And sometimes, church, we won't share what God has commanded us to do. Did you hear what I just said? It's a commandment. You are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ because we're afraid someone's gonna reject us. We're afraid of that. The very thing that happened in the Bible by a group of people who believed in Jesus, and they were afraid to confess their faith publicly. Why? Because they were afraid of rejection. Man, in John chapter 12, I wanna give you the example of this right here. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. It says this, it says, yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, meaning Jesus Christ, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue for they loved, listen church, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. Man, if that don't punch you in the head, I don't know what will. We get caught up in that, don't we? We're afraid to admit who we are. Church, the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is a trap. So we, we become overly cautious. We become overly starved. So how, church, do we overcome the trap of the fear of man? The Bible teaches us two principles. The Bible gives you two principles that we can live empowered by the spirit of God in our lives, that you can pull this off. Did you hear what I said? You can pull it off. You can do this with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first thing is this, by the help of the Spirit, we will learn to say yes to pleasing God. Boy, isn't that the churchiest answer you ever heard in your life? It's simple, but it's true. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will learn to say yes to pleasing God. See, our hearts will begin to beat with that desire to please God. It won't be just on Sunday like, you know, of course, you get dressed up, you, you take a shower, you smell good, you come to church, right? You come here, and like, I'm gonna please God the whole time I'm there. Good for you. I'm talking about the rest of the week. I'm talking about there will be a desire inside of you, like, man, I wanna get this right again today. God gave me another chance. He woke me up this morning. That means I've got another chance to get it right, so I'm gonna do what I can. Our hearts will begin to beat with the desire to say yes to pleasing God. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 22, it's a great story. There's a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah. He was the king of Judah, and he was having a conversation with the king of Israel. And so the king of Israel comes to him and, and he said this, Jehoshaphat, will you go into battle with me? Will you go into battle with me? We will partner up and we are gonna go back and take back what's ours. It's ours. We deserve it. We were robbed. It was stolen from us. And Jehoshaphat, I like this dude. He responds like this. If you look with me in 1 Kings, man, in 1 Kings chapter 22, Verse five, it says this, but Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Dude was wise. I like his style of leadership. He said, first, we're gonna seek God. He's like, he could easily, but that's right, man. I'm ready. Let's go get our stuff back. We'll get our land. We'll get our gold. We'll get our people. I'm ready to go get them right now. He could easily said that. Wouldn't that have been simple to do? But no, he said, we gotta ask God first. We have to ask God first. He didn't say, you know what, King Israel, let's, let's talk to our advisors. He didn't say, no, let's, let's check with our best friends. Church, you know why you typically go to your best friend to ask him for advice? 
because they're going to give you the answer you want. Now, if you got one of those exceptional best friends, I have one of those, man, they will tell you your mama's ugly and smile while they're saying it to you. And I like that because it keeps me in check. But a lot of times we want to go to our best friends because they're going to kind of look at you and they're going to kind of engage like, oh, I, and we ask them the right way, don't we? So they know where we already stand. Oh, that's the answer you want me to give you? You're right. That's the way I would do it too. No, no, the king didn't go ask his best friend. He didn't poll the people to see what opinions that they had. First, he said, Jehoshaphat said, we're going to seek God. We're going to ask him what he wants us to do. I'm going to ask him because I want to please him. I'm asking him because I want to please my God. Is what Jehoshaphat was looking at it that way. Do you realize, church, that God, it pleases him so much when you come and ask him what he thinks. It does. It pleases him so much. As a father and the three young men in my life, man, I loved it so much when they would come and ask me either what I thought or ask me for permission. Right? I always loved that when they would do that. They would come and ask me. I'm the father, right? I'm the one who lays it out. I'm the one who gives you the permission. And, and sometimes, right? Sometimes they, the, the middle man, man, he would, it would drive him crazy. He would come and say, I'm doing this. I'm like, you asking, you telling. Are you asking me or are you telling me what you're going to do? Made him nuts when I would say that to him. But I know how I feel about it, so I can only imagine how my heavenly father feels when I come to him and say, God, what do I do? Is it all right with you if I do this? First, we seek God, church. We seek him to please him, and we must seek the counsel of God. Church, when you are faced with making a decision, what do you do? You don't ask this, like, what will people think? You, you don't ask, what will my parents think? You, you, you don't ask, what will my friends think? You don't ask, what will my coworkers think? The first thing that we ask is, what will God think about the decision I'm about to make in my life? What will God think? You know, I'm so sick and tired of the church selling out. I really am. I'm tired of, you know, what God's word says. will be like, yeah, but... I'm talking the church doing this. I'm talking about pastors who, who are saying, here's what God's word says, but it's all right now. Here's what we're doing now. These are modern times. That is not the way God's word works, church. We speak the truth. We do. And the day that if I ever speak something up here that goes against God's word, I mean this, you better love me enough to come tell me about it. If I make a mistake and misspeak on God's word, you better love me enough to come and tell me because you know why? I am gonna be held to a crazy high standard when I stand before God because of this job right here. So you better love me enough to tell me. Church, we have to make sure that we understand that God is first. He is the one who matters the most. His opinion is the one that matters. We have to seek to please God in all that we do. I heard a story of evangelist. His name was G. Campbell Morgan. 
And he lived in, in 1888. He was in seminary in 1888. And this is a really amazing story. So what would happen was when you were in seminary back then, this blows my mind, that, that you had to stand. You go to seminary, you prepare your sermons, and then you had to stand in front of three men and you give your sermon to three men. And these three men, they would determine whether or not you were called to preach. Three men would determine whether or not you were called to preach. And so this guy, what he did is he preached for them. And at the end of the day, they said they would post out in the hallway on a piece of paper, they would post from the class those that were accepted and those who were rejected. And so after you preached, you go out in the hallway. If you were not on that accepted list, that means you were rejected. Some of you can relate to that, right? You, I'm serious, you can relate to that. You pour your heart into something, church. You pour your heart into something or, or, or into a direction that, that you believe that you need to go to, and, and then you get rejected. You get completely rejected. You feel this is what you're supposed to do. You're pouring everything into it, and you get rejected. And back when I was first starting out in college, out of high school, I wanted to be a school teacher so bad. I did. I wanted to be a school teacher. I love kids. And I wanted to be a school teacher. And so I'm going, taking all those prerequisite classes. And I took an introduction to education class. And so I'm going through the class. Halfway through the semester, the, the professor asked me if I could stay after class. He wanted to talk to me. This dude, he pulled me aside and he said, listen, you have no business teaching. That's what he said to me. You have no business teaching. You need to get out of this now before you get too invested. Ha <laughs> big boy, guess who's teaching now, right? That's the way I look at it. But seriously, you have no idea how defeated I felt. I felt rejected and defeated because I felt that was my purpose. And let's go back to the story of Campbell. So he's teaching. He's preaching, I mean, and, and, and then he got rejected, right? And there's this pain that he goes through. There's this, this severe pain. He, you know, some of you can relate to this too. You know, you were told to go away. You are told you didn't have what it takes. Maybe some of you haven't even heard in your lifetime, like, I, I wish I never had you. You're not welcome here. You feel this rejection. And so Campbell Morgan, he got rejected and he was devastated, church. His name was on the rejection list. And so he sent his father a telegram and the telegram had one word on it and the word was rejected. A few days later, a few days later, his very wise father, his very wise father sent back a message. And this message Changed. This message changed this guy's life forever. And the message read this, rejected by men, accepted by God. Think about that, church. This is where you and I should want to fall. And it's okay if you are rejected by men, as long as you are accepted by God. That's where we should want to be in our lives. We will be rejected by people. You're going to be rejected by people. You will for sure be rejected. When you are following Jesus Christ, people are going to reject you for it. They will. But did you realize in your lifetime that many people, 
Because the Bible makes it very clear to us, right? In Isaiah chapter 53, it was prophesied that Jesus would be despised and rejected by man. So why do we think that we can follow Jesus Christ and please people all the time? Why do we even think that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this to us. It says, but seek first, church. You've heard this verse so many times. I've preached this so many times. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. So the first thing that we do, church, is say yes to pleasing God. Yes to pleasing God. And the second thing that you do to overcome this addiction to pleasing people is this. Say no to pleasing people. Very elementary today, church. We're making it simple for you. Don't take this out of context. Don't you dare go home and say, Mark told us we're supposed to be rude to people. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. We are always supposed to show love and the grace of Jesus Christ in our relationships. But see, we can be driven, can't we, by being people pleasers. You can be driven by that. In Isaiah chapter 51, church, he asked this question. Isaiah chapter 51 Verses 12 and 13 says this, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you feel fear, mere mortals, human beings who are but grass, that you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who has been on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? Church, let me explain this to you right now. Do you forget who God is? I'm talking about the one that created it all. He stretches out the heavens and he lays the foundations of the earth. And then we are afraid, church, we live in fear of the one person who's gonna say something just junky to you. We live in fear of that. You wanna know what's crazy? You wanna know what's crazy? It's how often you get caught up you and I both get caught up in that addiction approval. You get uh, uh, addiction approval, right? You're, you're addicted to being approved. And so many times, I know I personally, I, I can be driven by what people think about me so much so that I forget what God thinks about me. I can be so driven by that. Every single day, do you realize that you will have the opportunity to cave to cave in and to live for the approval of man. Every single day, you're gonna have the opportunity to do that. You will. Or you're gonna look at it this way. Every single day, you will have the opportunity to surrender your heart, to surrender your heart at that same exact moment to God. The moment that you're feeling that you need to please people, at that very moment, God will also give you the opportunity to please him. And when you do that, church, when you choose him and you say, Lord, I live for you. I live for you and you alone, right? So what will it be, church? The fear of man, that's a trap. But those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. I love the apostle Paul. He asked this very pressing question. As I asked the praise team to come up, I want to share this last verse with you, and it comes from Galatians chapter one. In Galatians chapter one, verse 10, 
Now remember, this is Paul. He, he's posing this question. He's asking himself this question. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. That one hurts. I want you to ask yourself the same question this morning. Think about this. Is it man that you're trying to please? Or is it God? Which one are you trying to please? Church, you can't please both. Some of us, we're trying to straddle that fence, aren't we? I want to please this person over here, but I also want to please God. And so if I just keep bouncing back and forth, how about this? I'll please you this time. I'll please God the next time. Man, we, we will just rationalize it all day long. Are you trying to please man? Or are you trying to please God? Because remember what I just read to you. If you are living for the approval of people, if you are living, I'm talking about living for it, you realize you cannot be following Christ at the same time. You can't. Our goal is to live for the audience of one. There's going to be a day when it all is going to be wiped clean, isn't it? All this stuff that we worry about, every single one of us, unless Jesus comes back first, all the stuff that we worry about accumulating, your kids are going to throw it in the garbage or sell to yard sale. All these people that you spend your life trying to please the majority of them, church, I'm talking high 90 percentages, they're gonna be gone. They're gonna come in and out of your life. But do you realize that God is saying, and he wants us, church, to surrender it all to him? Because when it's all said and done, you're gonna stand before an audience of one to give an account of your life. You will stand before God, all of us, and you will give an account of your life and what you did with it. And so today I want to make your eternity a lot easier. You choose God. He's your number one audience. He is the one that you have to please. It is his opinion that really matters. Remember, remember in school when you used to have to get a hall pass to go out in the hallway, use the bathroom, go to the office, whatever it was? Man, the teacher would give me a hall pass, and I was that guy. I never held it in my hand. I hid it. I dared some teacher to ask me what I was doing in the hallway. What are you doing? Whew, I got a pass. I'm allowed. I was sent. They told me I could go. I love to do that. And do you realize, church, that God wants to give every single person here a pass. He wants to give you a pass so that you can say, oh, I'm here to please the one that sent me. It doesn't matter what you think, I got a pass. I have a pass here. I'm not subject to your opinion. You know why? Because I have a pass. No matter what you think about me, God gave me a pass. And God's past says this, I'm acceptable through Christ Jesus. No matter what you think about me, God loves me for who I am. And when we believe, church, when we believe what he says, do you realize you are set free? With that past in your weaknesses, church, his strength is made perfect.
God says this too. This one ain't for everybody. It's not for everybody. God says he is working everything for the good. And here's the people it's for. For those who love him and been called according to his purpose. So it doesn't matter about all this garbage that's going on around in my life. God's gonna turn it for good. Doesn't matter about all the garbage that's going on in your life. If you love him and been called according to his purpose, he's gonna make it good. So you can rest assured in that. And God says this, I am an overcomer by the blood of his son that was shed for me. God says you are special. God says you are called. God says that you are equipped, church. You are equipped to what he's called you to. And so I want you to ask yourself this morning, I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you an approval addict? You're addicted to worrying about what other people think. Today, I want you to do this. I want you to set your hope. I want you to set your security. I want you to set your trust in the only one whose opinion truly matters, and that's your heavenly Father. So this morning, church, if this has hit you hard, you recognize that you are that approval addict, you recognize that you're worried about what everyone else thinks about you, and you've completely lost sight of what God has for you in your life. Maybe you're hearing this for the very first time, and it's hit you like a ton of bricks. Sorry, not sorry. God is talking to you today, and he's wanting you to surrender to him saying, Lord, I give it all to you. Let me tell you what surrender looks like, church. You admit who you are, that you are a mess, that you have been struggling, that you made a mess of your life. You're like, God, I need forgiveness. You confess those sins to him. You ask for that forgiveness. You invite Jesus Christ to take up residency in your heart. And then you go and live your life for him. It's not that you get your baptismal certificate and you say, I'm good to go. No, you go and you live your life for him. And it doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. Their opinion does not matter. You are living for the audience of one. So if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to come forward. We will walk you through. We will pray with you. We will get you started on that path that God has called every single person to. And for the rest of you people here, those who are already saved, you Bible-believing Christians, that maybe you are realizing today because of this message that you are veering off the path and you are worrying more about what other people think about you and you've lost focus on the one true king. And you realize it's time for me to come back home. I messed up here. I've kind of gotten off the path. Here's the cool news. He will always take you back every single day. You have a new opportunity to get it right with him. So how about it, church? I want you to stand. I want you to sing. But I really and truly want you to respond this morning.